Amen. I like what Brother Brent said. I hope you're ready for church. If you're not, we may need to talk after the service about that ver- third verse of it is well with my soul. I was ready for the rapture. I was ready to go. I was thinking this has got to be what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. Boy, just good singing. Couldn't help but think about that song about beholding our God. We're thinking about it. One day, that, that's not a fairy tale. That's going to happen. We're going to stand before God. We're going to see God. And boy, it really brings some gravity to the service tonight, doesn't it? Thinking that there'll be a day where I stand before God and I give an account to God and spend eternity with Him and really helps us get our hearts set on what God wants to do tonight. And I pray your heart is ready. Boy, good singing tonight, good playing. Appreciate all of those very talented folks who take part in our service and work real hard to practice. I got to hear the song as they were practicing it this afternoon, and I was getting pumped up, ready to go. I felt like I need to go pray somewhere. I mean, just walk by the room, feel the Spirit of God moving around in that place, and uh, make sure we're ready to go for the service tonight. But it is good to see you. Hope you had a great afternoon, and looking forward to what God has planned for us tonight. And uh, don't get your mind in the holiday mode just yet, okay? It'll be holiday soon enough, and you'll get to take off here in a little bit, but I think God's got one more thing for us. And uh, turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, if you don't mind. Proverbs chapter 16. We've kind of been in an open-ended series the past uh, few months, for sure, on growing beyond. And I just kind of let the Lord lead us in these things, is how far we'll take the series. And uh, he kind of led us to stay in there for a little while. So we're going to stay in this idea of some things that we've got to grow beyond. And uh, as I've been telling our starting point class, church is a place where we come and we grow together. And uh, we're all part of this body of Christ, this fellowship of believers that are here. And uh, it's important we all grow together. Nobody can uh, be a spectator in this body of Christ. And I know it may sound off the wall, but I told them this morning in our starting point class, you know, a lot of churches look like Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, you ever seen one of those, a picture of one of those? You know, they got a big old head and big old feet and big old body, but little bitty arms, you know? And we don't need to have little bitty arms. Everybody needs to grow together. So you folks that are the arms in the church, don't be a T-Rex, okay? We need to grow up together that we might serve the Lord fully and be able to fulfill all that the Lord wants us to do. And uh, this Sunday night series on Growing Beyond is going to help us grow together that we can move forward in the will of God as we preached about this morning. If you're there and you can, let's go ahead and stand as we'll read verse 1, 2, and 3. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1, 2, and 3, and we'll pray and let you be seated and get into the message tonight. Proverbs 16, 1, the Bible says, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, just for the wonderful singing, and Lord, thank you, Lord, for what we have to sing about, and Lord, you could hear it tonight. Lord, folks singing about the hope that we have in heaven and the truth that we'll see you one day, and Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. I pray our hearts are soft and ready to receive the word that you've sent. I pray we'd be obedient to it, whatever you lead us to do tonight. Bless the invitation once again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was thinking this afternoon about how many different television shows that I have heard about in the past few years that uh, kind of have this DIY trend to them. It's kind of a trend in our society today to have these shows where you do it yourself. 
You know, you have DIY, do-it-yourself home remodeling and do-it-yourself gardening and do-it-yourself mechanics and uh, do-it-yourself cooking. And I couldn't help but get tickled this afternoon thinking about this, that so many things that are DIY, you know, kind of a big deal were do-it-yourself. That was just normal life about 50 years ago. (laughs) You think about it, painting your house, changing your oil. Today we're going to do something miraculous called do-it-yourself oil changes, you know, and that's something today that uh, is kind of neat for people to do, but back in the day, I guess you would say, folks grew their own gardens, they grew their own food, and cooked their own food and things like that, and I have to admit, I I enjoy watching those shows from time to time uh, because I am a kind of a DIY guy myself. Uh, matter of fact, uh, back in Monroe, uh, when, we, when I pastored there, we, uh, we were part of a homeschool group, and I was very burdened about our homeschool guys that were in our group because they were just a little bit soft, just a little bit soft, and I kind of burdened about that, and so uh, I opened my mouth, and I said, here's what we need to have here. We need to have some kind of a class where these guys learn how to change oil, and these guys, because most of the guys are in my class, okay? I'm specifically speaking about my class. I'm not speaking about yours, but mine. They were kind of soft video game guys and weren't really used to being outside and building forts and stuff like that idea when I was a kid, and I said, somebody needs to have a class with these guys where they learn how to do man stuff, electronics, and hammering, and all nails, and all of that, and and I ended up teaching the class. Um, that's what you get for volunteering good ideas. I was just going to be the idea guy, not the do-it guy. But anyway, we had a good class, and we learned how to do things on our own. And I do think it's important that uh, we learn how to figure things out. You know, we're not going to have automated stuff forever. This economy falls apart. It's important to know how to do some of these things on your own. And I like being able to figure things out. I like being able to have an understanding of how things work. I've taken some things apart that have never made it back together. But I can tell you what it looks like on the inside of a a lot of those things. But when it comes to our life, when it comes to our heart, and it comes to our homes, and when it comes to our our, our relationships, it's not something we can really afford to DIY and depend upon ourselves to figure it out because repurposing a nightstand is a little bit different than prioritizing your life. Okay? I told you I used to work for a garbage company. I'd bring home stuff all the time. Matter of fact, I left a lot of stuff in Monroe, pieces of furniture, stuff I dug out of the garbage. I even, I even commandeered a trailer at a gas station one day. It was at the corner of the garbage uh, going to the landfill because they had some good stuff on there. And I, I, if, if it goes to the landfill, you're not supposed to bring it out. Uh, but if you can hide it behind the, behind the seat, you, you can. But if you're repurposing a nightstand... You can afford to get that wrong. You know, you dug it out of the garbage. You know, if you try to do that faux painting and it just looks like you slapped two coats of paint on the top of it in another different color, it doesn't work. You just put it right back by the curb and let it go back to the dump from whence it came. But we're talking about our relationships. We're talking about our homes, our children. We're talking about prioritizing our life. This is not something we can really afford to get wrong. It's not something that we can afford to say, you know what, that didn't work out, I'm going to try again later. So when it comes to this thing of the heart and our homes and relationships, uh, it's important that we not dwell upon self-reliance. And tonight we're going to look at this thought of growing beyond self-reliance. I believe our only hope for success with our homes, with our children, our relationships, and in our churches is to fully rely on God for the direction and the prioritization that we need to structure our homes and our churches. So tonight we're going to look at this thought of growing beyond self-reliance. Now I want you to think about this. As you grow socially and as you mature socially, social maturity is when you depend less on mom and dad and you learn to depend more on yourself. 
Now, I know that's a new thing to the generation we have here today, but that's a good thing. Social maturity, learn to be self-reliant. Learn to take care of yourself. But when it comes to spiritual maturity, it's the exact opposite. Spiritual maturity is when you learn not to rely on yourself, and rather than growing out of having someone tell you what to do, you grow more into letting God dictate your life and give you the priorities of your life. So tonight we're going to look at this thought of, of growing beyond self-reliance, and I believe there's two or three good things in verse 1, 2, and 3 of, verse, of chapter 16. So let's jump into it if we could. Notice those first two words in verse 1. The Bible says, the preparations of the heart in man. The preparation. So notice once again, this has been a reoccurring theme in several messages over the past few months and how God takes straight aim for the heart. So as God wants to give structure and God wants to give us the, uh, the prioritization of the life that we need to have so we rely on him, we notice that it begins in the heart. So number one tonight, notice the preparations of the heart. The preparations of the heart. Now, that word kind of hung me up. I'll be honest with you. That word was something that I couldn't quite understand how that worked in there, that God wants to prepare our heart. And of course, I went and looked it up, and then it made total sense. The word preparation means arrangement. So the Bible is saying here the preparations of the heart or the arrangements of the heart. What it's saying here is that how that we have the need in our lives today to allow God to be the one who arranges everything. And how God needs to be the one to put everything together. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to always get it wrong and you have bad ideas. But remember, we can't afford to get this wrong. We cannot afford to raise our children, build our homes, uh, and build our churches, and lead our country based on our ideas. We cannot be self-reliant in that. I think that's what's got us into this trouble. We've got to go by God's order that he's given us. Aren't you glad within the word of God, we have an order for the home, we have an order for the husband, we have an order for the wife, we have an order for the children. God gives us an order, and if we allow him to prepare or arrange the priorities of our life, you might be surprised how well things could turn out. A while back, I uh, had the opportunity to work on uh, Brother Bryce's bear skull, okay? Bryce's bear skull. Guys, can you flip the, the screen? Give me that next, uh, the next one. There we go, that second one. There we go. We had this bear skull that Brother Bryce had killed and wanted me to kind of get it all cleaned up for him for a trophy. I've got some in my office, and I'm too cheap. I DIY'd it myself to figure out how to do it in my office, so he asked me if I'd do one for him. So I put the bear skull down there in the pot, and I'm boiling it up real good. My wife won't let me do it in the house no more, so I had to do it on the back porch. She said it stunk up the house. And uh, so I'm boiling it, and after a while, I pulled the pieces of the skull out and was shocked to find out that a bear has a lot of parts to his skull. I'm thinking, Brother Bryce is going to kill me. I'm looking at all these pieces, and that's not even all of the pieces. There was all of these pieces laying there. I was like, how is this thing going to go back together? And so I sat there for hours trying to put it back to the way that God originally made it. And it was amazing to see how God pieced all of those bones together. And when I found the order that God had put them in, it turned out all right. I'll show you another one. This is about to be an addition to my office. I made this years ago. This is my cat. Uh, I killed this bobcat, not my house cat. Some of you are like, what? No, that's not a house cat. That is a bobcat I killed years ago. I told my Sunday school class about this today. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get it mounted, but it was too expensive. And so I saw at the New York Natural History Museum there, they had mammoths. I told my wife, I said, I can do that. I could put something back together. She says, well, go ahead and try it. You have a bobcat at home. And so I accepted the challenge in my pride. 
I go home and I take the bobcat and put him over in the hot tub. Man, I'm cooking him up real good, getting the meat off the bones and begin to slowly piece it all back together. And how amazing it was to find out he's at the house right now because the move, his head fell off. And so I got to I got to put that back together before I, before I bring him up to the office. But it was amazing at how the, the Almighty God put all of those pieces together. I told my class this morning, you have a greater appreciation for a six-day literal creation when it only took God six days to create the entire world. And it took me six weeks to put a cat back together. And he can't even breathe. And he doesn't even have any skin. I mean, it was work. But I saw the handiwork of God. Look, you ought to go pick you up some roadkill, take it in the kitchen, boil it up real good, and just see the handiwork of God. It is amazing how God put all of that together. That's the order that God gave it. Now, folks, understand the same God that put that cat together, the same God that designed all of that and fit all of that together is the God who's given us an order for our homes and our lives and our families, but we've got to throw off self-reliance and trust the one who put it all together. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Now, why does he say that in thy youth? Man, as a youth, you're trying to figure everything out. As a youth, there's so many opportunities and there's so many temptations and you're tempted to try it on your own. So he says, why don't you rely on the one who made you? Why don't you rely on the one who put all of those cells together that gave you the color eyes that you have? And look, I don't think that's just for kids tonight. I think mom and dad, we ought to learn how to do the same thing. To remember the Lord, remember our creator. He's the one who put us together and he wants to order and arrange everything together. That's why it says the preparations of the heart, the arrangement of the heart. God is the one who wants to put it together, but you've got to grow beyond self-reliance. In just a few months, I hate to tell you this, it's going to be tax season again. And uh, tell you how I used to do taxes. We used to stuff receipts in a shoebox. Anybody guilty of there? Just stuffing receipts. I mean, stuff them in a top drawer, stuffing them everywhere. And I've got all of the information there. But uh, I'm afraid I'm going to go to jail if I try to do my taxes on my own. I really am. I don't want to go to jail. I've preached there enough, and I like to be able to go home uh, when I'm ready to go home. And so, you know what I do? I take that big box of receipts. It's a mess. And I take it to a tax preparation service. And I pay them about $200, $250. It's worth every dime. They call me, Mr. Andrews, your taxes are prepared. My taxes have been arranged. And they had this nifty little folder with my name printed across the top. And you open it up and all of the numbers are in there. And it looks so good. And I've yet to get arrested. Believe it or not, not at least not for that. I haven't got arrested yet. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home tonight. And you'll call me, Brother Jim, I just got to ask you a question. Have you ever been arrested? No, I've never been arrested. But here's what I want you to understand. Only folks who know what they're doing and folks that have the qualifications to put all that together need to be putting all that together. And God's the only one qualified to give us order to our life. God's the only one qualified to prepare or arrange our life. Proverbs 19, 21. The Bible says there are many devices or thoughts in a man's heart. That means our heart is tempted to go in so many different directions. Look, I told you yesterday, boy, I was having a good day. And next thing you know, I done got in the flesh just for a moment. I mean, our heart is tempted. We are prone to wonder. That's why we've got to allow God to arrange our heart and prepare our heart. I did a little research this afternoon and found out that the tax code 
if, 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 uh, if CNN's website is correct, uh, the tax code has 73,934 pages. 73,000. I think they do that where you're going to hire somebody to do it because you're like, there's no way I can do this on my own. You, man, how are we going to figure all of that out? Look, the tax code's a lot like our heart. Uh, it's hard to figure out. I mean, you can't know it. And that's why we must rely on the, only, on the God that created it to give us the order and the preparation that we need or else you're going to be self-reliant and you'll fail because the arm of flesh will always fail us. Psalms 37, the Bible says, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered. Ordered. You know what's wrong with America? I think every preacher, I think every preacher is required to say that at least once a week. You know what's wrong with America? It's not that America's all bad. What's wrong with America is so much of America is out of order. That's what's wrong. You know what's wrong with our homes? We're out of order. Our, my home is so harmonious. Did you hear our choir tonight? How, I think that's the proper word, harmonious. Sounds good. How harmonious it was. How good it sounded. Everybody singing their parts. Man, I, I'm just sitting right here like a bottle rocket getting ready to, to blast off. Man, that was wonderful. Everybody was in their place. Everybody was singing their part. It was just harmonious. My home is most harmonious. When I am fulfilling my role as a husband and leading according to what God has prepared, according to what God has arranged, he says, look, I want you to sing this arrangement as husband. He tells my wife, hey, over here on this page, here's your arrangement as wife. I've prepared that for you. And if you'll stick with your order and you stick with your order, and there's my daughter over there. She's even got an order in here. Children, obey your parents. There's part of the order. Amen? Now, as long as we stick with our orders tonight, it's amazing how harmonious our homes can be. Look, I don't always feel like leading my home. There are sometimes I'd rather sit back on the couch and tell my wife, you make all the decisions. And sometimes she probably would like to do it, except for where we're going to eat. That's one decision nobody ever wants to answer. I've decided we're going to just start having a list in my wallet. So we're going to have a list, and we're going to eat there in the next place. When we say where we're going to eat, we're going to go to the next one on the list. That way we don't have any trouble in our home, no schisms in our home. But things work best when we go by God's order. One of my favorite passages of Scripture as a younger preacher, when I was probably 18, 17, 18 years old, was in 1 Kings chapter 6. I'm not going to turn there. But they're building the temple it's something I ran across in 1 Kings chapter 6 years ago that, that man, it just, it blessed my heart. That the Bible says that they had someone by the name of Hiram. And Hiram's job was to, he was part of a group called the Stone Squarers. It was their job to take rough stones and to shape them and to cut them and to get them precisely to its prefab is what it is. So they would fit in the temple. And here's what's beautiful. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 6 that when they brought the stones to the site of the temple, you neither heard the sound of, of a hammer or any tool of iron. There's not people in there banging on it, trying to get it to go in place. It fit perfectly. Why? Because it was prepared off site. They got all of those pieces together and they brought them to the temple and just slid them into place. And it was one of the most beautiful sights the world has ever seen. Why? It was because they fit the order that was given to them. Now, folks, I want you to know tonight, God's given us an order for our homes. God's given us an order for our life. God's given us an order for our, our marriages. God's given us an order for our churches. But we've got to stick with what God's prepared. We've got to let God be the one who's ordering and arranging our heart because that's where it begins. 
So notice what it says, the preparations of the heart in man, the preparations of the heart. So how do we have our heart prepared? Well, the good answer, the answer is it's right there in verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. He's got to be the one doing the arranging. Do you know what this choir would sound like if I was the guy up here leading it? It wouldn't sound like it did tonight. I can tell you that. I mean, some of you, if you ever pass by my house, I haven't cut the grass since I've been here, but that's when I get to sing, when I'm cutting the grass. Or, you know, I'll be in the shower. I like to sing in the shower. You know, nobody tells me to shut up when I'm singing in the shower. You know, I just kind of like to do my own thing there. That's not my thing, okay? I'm still trying to figure out what my thing is, but it's definitely not conducting and leading and singing. Man, you get somebody who knows what they're doing. You get somebody who can bring out the best. You get somebody who can put all of those pieces together. That's why it sounds the way it does. And folks, that's what God wants to do with our lives. Here's our problem. We're self-reliant. I'll figure it out. Look, we can't afford to lose our churches, our homes, our marriages, our children, all because we're too prideful and self-reliant. We've got to grow beyond that. We've got to get to the place where we said, you know what? If God's got a plan, why do we have to reinvent the wheel? Why do we have to watch the next episode of Oprah or Dr. Phil to figure out how to fix our home when the one who invented the home has got it already figured out? There's no need for me to go out to the world and ask them what they did that worked because the only way that works is by the one who designed it. This is our instruction manual. If we just follow the orders that he's given us. Turn with me to, your, to the New Testament real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're doing good on our time tonight, so I'll get you to flip with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number 4. This is a good one to mark. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means fleshly, but mighty through God. But mighty through God. Keep reading. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Notice that. Where do thoughts originate? They originate in our heart. The thoughts are the ideas that I have. I want to be self-reliant. I have ideas about how I ought to do things and what I want to do. The Bible says that my thoughts and my ideas need to be brought into captivity. How? The Bible says through God in verse number four. Through God. It says that the thoughts that appear in my heart, there are times they need to be cast down. They need to be put in place. How do I do that? Through God. Now, I told you I'm 50-50 at best. My judgment's not always as good as it ought to be. I have to rely on God, particularly in the lives of my wife and my daughter in our church. We've got to rely on God for this thing. We've got to let God arrange it. We've got to let God prepare it. And when God prepares it, you know it's all going to fit together and make increase, the Bible says. Not long before the Lord called us here. Man, I, I really wish we'd known we was going to be coming here before we found out because we had one storage unit left in Bassfield. And what was it, a month or two? A month or two before we moved here, we emptied it out in Bassfield and moved it to Monroe. That could have saved me a lot of trouble, you know, if we could have just figured that out ahead of time. And, and so my wife and I are going through our storage unit that we had for how many years? Six years? Yeah, too many. I just saw what she said, too many. We had it too many years. And we're going through the storage unit. It's been closed for about six years. There's all of this stuff that we thought we needed when we moved. And we just threw it in the storage unit, and we had two piles. One pile was refuse, and one pile was reuse. 
So we're going through it, and we had one pile that was going to throw it on the back of my dad's pickup truck, and the other pile was going on a trailer that was going to Monroe. And boy, we had a little bit of difference of opinion at times, Brother Carney, on what was going to get refused and what was going to get reused, okay? My wife says, well, you haven't wore that shirt in four years. The rats have chewed a hole in it, and I think they've made a house out of your shirt. But that was the shirt that I wore when I, when I met you. You know, we've got to hold on to that, and we've got to keep that. And man, we finally, after a while, we had a truckload of stuff to go to the garbage, and some of it was good, some of it was bad. But here's the point. If it's up to you to sort things out in your heart and your mind, and you're self-reliant on what needs to happen based on what you think, you're going to get some things wrong. Remember that old nightstand repurposing? You can DIY that, but you can't afford to get it wrong in your home. We can't afford to get it wrong in this church. We've got to make sure that we're relying on God for the preparation or the arrangement for what God wants. And we've got to let God even bring all of that down to our very thoughts of our heart. Isn't that not what it's saying? The preparations of the heart. I love the account in Luke chapter 8 where Jairus' daughter has died. Now listen close. I'll tell you why I love it. Jairus' daughter has died. And as soon as Jairus receives word that his daughter is dead, Jesus looks straight at him and he says two words, fear not. Now, why did Christ say that? Because he was peering into the heart of Jairus. The man had just been told that his daughter was dead. Jesus knew what was going on inside of his heart. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, fear not, only believe. He's telling him how to think. Stop, stop, stop. Because Jairus is thinking, my daughter's dead. There's nothing left that I can do. Jairus was fearful because he was being self-reliant, thinking there's nothing that I can do for her, but relying on Christ brought his daughter back. He allowed God to change the way that he thought. So number one, the preparations of the heart. Look on down, if you will, to verse number two. The Bible says, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Now, verse 2 is telling you why verse number 1 is so important. Number 2 tonight, notice the precaution of the heart. He gives us a precaution in verse number 2 by telling us the reason you need to let me order it and arrange it is because you'll do it wrong. That's what he's saying. He says, you're going to do it wrong. Verse 2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Have you not noticed that you are partial to yourself? If you're not, uh, then, uh, then I need you to pray for me because uh, I am. I get defensive really quick of myself. I told our Sunday school class this morning, I don't like it when the doctor tells me what the scale says. All he's doing is telling me what the scale says. It ain't his opinion. It says 206. And I'm like, well, that's your opinion. All he's doing is telling me what the scale says. I mean, it's just telling the truth, and I don't like what it has to say. What am I doing? I'm being defensive of myself. Why? Because all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. I think 207 is just a great weight for a man of my height because that's in my eyes. The precaution that he's given us tonight on self-reliance is if you rely on yourself, then you're going to give yourself passes for things that God would not give you passes for. I excuse myself way more than I believe God excuses me. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible says, the ways of a fool are right in his own eyes. I'm not calling you a fool tonight, but notice the Bible says that somebody who lives off self-reliance is a fool. That's what it says. The ways of a fool are right in his own eyes. That's self-reliance. I hate to tell you this, you cannot trust yourself. There are some people, I remember, I remember when, uh, when I was a teenager, 
My wife and I never, quote unquote, dated as, the, as popular society goes. You know, we were never alone. We were always chaperoned. And by the way, young people, it wasn't that bad. Didn't risk my relationship. Nobody could ever say anything bad about me because we were always chaperoned. Whether or not I liked it or not, we were always chaperoned. You can never say, look, I was a preacher 10 years when I got married. An accusation will sink you. Not just because I was a preacher, but look, I wanted to have a good reputation. So I, I was never alone with her. When we left the church in my little red PT cruiser, the pregnant roller skate, getting ready to leave the church, and there was nobody in the back seat, that was the weirdest feeling in the world. Like, we're going to be in trouble. And I just kept looking at the ring, reminding me, we're legal, we're legal, you know, it's okay. Look, I remember talking to my dad. I asked my dad one time, I said, don't you trust me? He says, I don't trust your flesh. This stuff right here. The Bible says in Jeremiah that our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. I know Jiminy Cricket says, you know, trust your heart and follow your heart. And that sounds sweet and all that. And you can do that when you're picking out which cereal you're going to eat. But when you're talking about the mate for life, and you're talking about how you should live your life and raise your children and build your home, you cannot trust your heart. Can we just go ahead and decide that all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes? I mean, I can excuse myself for going to Topher's for lunch today and getting a double burger. I was totally okay with that. How many calories are in that thing? And I even ordered cheese sticks as a side. I upsize, man. I didn't just go with fries. I went with cheese sticks, and I was okay with that. Isn't it sad what we are okay with at times? Why? Because all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. God's given us a precaution here. He says, look, the reason I want you to give me your heart, the Bible says, my son, give me thine heart. Why? Because God loves us and he doesn't want to see us ruin our life. That's why he wants our heart. What he's doing is he's literally saving us from ourself. He's saving us from ourselves. I remember a while back, you know, I'm always trying to make sure I keep my weight where it needs to be, you know. And I told you, I don't want to be a fat preacher. I just don't want to be a fat preacher. And I've been working on that a long time. And finally, my wife helped me out with that. And she went to the house and cleaned out all of the hidden candy. You know, Easter time, you start hiding that stuff away. Those Cadbury mini eggs, oh, my goodness gracious. We're all going to want one, but it's nowhere near Easter. So don't get your mouth set for it because there's none around here. My wife went and cleaned out the jars, and she went and cleaned out the cabinets, and she went and cleaned out every, my nightstand. I used to keep Sour Patch Kids in my nightstand. And man, she comes through there and cleaned all of that out. Why did she do that? She says, because if it's there, the odds are you're going to go after it. So let's just go ahead and get rid of the problems, what she did. Because I'll find some way to excuse rolling over at 2 a.m. and just having a handful of those things. You're thinking, can we revote on our pastor? Something's bad, bad wrong with the guy. I'm just being honest with you, folks. I, look, I can't afford to be self-reliant. Can we grow beyond that? Look, it's good to be socially mature where you learn to rely on yourself, but spiritually we must, be, must learn to be reliant upon our Father. We've got to have him give us order in the preparations and the arrangements of the heart. Why? Because we'll excuse ourselves from things that he wouldn't. Do you know every mistake that I have ever made was born out of my idea? Think about that. Every mistake that I ever made was my idea. Now, we can be like Adam and try to blame somebody else, but every mistake that I ever made was my idea. It was mine. God did not lead me to make a mistake. If I had just relied on the one who had the preparation of the proper arrangement of the heart, things would have been a whole lot better. Think about Jonah. Jonah booked a cruise. Jonah thought it was a good idea. He arranged it, and it was Jonah approved. And boy, that turned out to be a nightmare, didn't it? Has, have you ever gone on a cruise that you set up? 
I'm not talking about to the Caribbean. I'm talking about a life cruise where you decided, I think I want to go in this direction and I think I want to do what I want to do and that looks good to me and you sign up for the cruise and you approve the cruise and it's a nightmare voyage. That's what, Noah, that's what Jonah did. Think about Judas. Judas made a deal. He thought it was a pretty good deal. The Sanhedrin offered him a pretty good offer of a bag of silver and he says, you know what? That's a pretty good deal and that was a Judas approved deal and it turned out not to be what he thought it was. Think about tonight, Achan, who saw the gold and the silver and the Babylonian garment that was there, and Achan thought to himself, you know what? That's a pretty good opportunity. If only he had gone to God, and God would have told him all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But notice, the Lord weigheth the spirits. Proverbs 14, the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Remember that word, seemeth. There is a way that seemeth right into a man. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but the sad thing is oftentimes in the hindsight we see a family that's imploded. We see young people that we've lost. We see churches that are no longer Bible-preaching churches. Why? Because there was something that seemed right. It seemed like a good idea. Why don't we go to the one who built the church? Why don't we go to the one who started the church? Why don't we go to the one who built the family? Look, there are times, you know, my wife and my daughter, I can't figure them out. I just... Man, having two women in one house, I guess the Lord knew exactly what I needed. But man, I, I wish I had a son that we could outnumber my wife, but uh, I don't. They outnumber me. And sometimes I don't understand them. You know what I do? I go talk to the one that created them. Isn't that wonderful? He arranged them. I read this afternoon about the car, 1956 Ford released a car. Some of you may have had one. Let me know if you did. I'd like to see pictures of them. The Ford Edsel. How many of you remember that car? The Ford Edsel. Now you're telling your age. Right? Thank the Lord for a long life. In 1956, Ford had this experimental car. They called it the E-Car. And they, went to, they hired a firm to name the car because it was soon to be the, the car of the future. It had all of these different options. I believe 18 different models of the Ford Edsel is what existed. They thought that people would like a vertical grill and people would like all of these additions that were there. And they decided what the public was going to want. And the Edsel came out. They spent over $250 million marketing the Edsel. They tried to decide what they're going to name it, and they said in honor of Henry Ford's son that had passed away, I believe in 1943, we're going to name it the Edsel. And to this day, the name Edsel is tied in with failure. When you start talking about failure and catastrophic failure and, and massive uh, failure on a large scale, people think about the Edsel. His name is forever tied to ultimate failure. And I'm going to tell you that my name is also tied to ultimate failure when my name is on it. When I'm the guy who has to sign the check and to back the check, usually spiritually it will bounce. But when God's name is applied to it, it's not failure. Because the Bible says in verse number three, the Lord, or verse two, the Lord weigheth the spirit. So he gives us precaution about self-reliance. Notice verse 3. I'll give you the last thing and we're done. Notice the prescription in verse number 3. The prescription for the heart. Verse 3, the Bible says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. He's given us a prescription for what will work. Now, here's what's interesting. The word commit means to roll in the direction of. So the Bible says that God wants us to take our works and our thoughts and rather than figure it on our own and be self-reliant, roll them unto God. Give it to him. Let him order it. Let him arrange it. Let him prepare it. We commit it to him and say, God, look, I cannot do this. 
There's nothing more that, that really just kind of puffs my pride than when my wife comes to me and when she can't open a jar of pickles. Man, I feel like, you know, I'm doing this husband thing, right? Remember my mom coming to my dad, Jack, can you, can you open this? And, and opens it off, and man, you just, the adrenaline rushes. Some of you guys, you need to try that. And some of you wives need to do that for your husbands. It would really be a boost to them uh, in, in their manliness, and we need a lot more of that today. But man, it makes me feel good when she comes to me and she says, can you do this? I can't. I love it. My daughter comes to me. We, we broke out the old Nintendo last night, the original Nintendo. We got one hidden somewhere in the closet, and she dug it out, and we're in there playing Mario Brothers. Man, that is fun, playing the old one. You, these new ones with X's and Y's and all that, I just need the A and the B, the up and the down. That's all I need. Too many buttons, my brain gets fried. She says, Dad, I, I just can't seem to get past this first board. Can you do it? Yeah. I can handle that. I can take care of that. Man, it makes me feel good that she says, I can't, but you can. She puts it in my hands, and I'm ready to go to work. And man, I took care of it for her last night, and we beat that board, didn't we? Got past it, or we didn't finish the game because it kind of could put it out on us. You know, it is, it is from the 80s. But here's what I want you to understand tonight. Look, it blesses the heart of our Father when we go to Him and we say, I can't. And we roll our works to him and says, here, can you figure it out? Can you put it together? Can you arrange my home? I cannot prepare it. I cannot arrange it. But I know you can. Our father, boy, he's glad to do it. That's what the Bible says. Commit it. Roll thy works unto the Lord and let thy thoughts be established. Or thy thoughts shall be established. Can I tell you why so many people get overwhelmed? Why so many homes get overwhelmed? Churches overwhelmed. And and in our minds, we get overwhelmed. It's because a lack of commitment. Now, let me show you why. Verse 3 says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. I don't know about you, but sometimes things get crazy in my mind, okay? I get so overloaded, so many things going on, I, I can't sort it all out, and you're like, smoke's about to bubble out your ears. Do you know why that happens? It's because I am trying to be self-reliant. I'm trying to do it on my own. That's why I'm having trouble. The Bible says, commit it, roll thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Here's what it's saying. Give it to God. He can sort it out. Give it to God. He can can get it in order. Give it to God. He can arrange it. But you've got to get it to him. Roll it to him. You've got to commit it to him. This is why the Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You're double-minded. You're self-reliant, you're God-reliant. You're self-reliant, you're God-reliant. That's why you're unstable. That's why our thoughts are not established because we've yet to just give it to God. Say, God, I can't, but I believe you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the Bible says, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Say, God, I want my life and my home and the way I'm raising my children and the way we're building our church, I want it to glorify you. And the only way that it can do that is to give it to God. We cannot do in this church what needs to be done that will glorify God. We've got to trust him and his roadmap for it, whether it's popular in the world or not. Daniel in a lion's den. If I was ever had a time in my life where I would have no peace, I would say it's in a lion's den. I mean, look, I, I, get, I get worried about imaginary creatures out there in the woods. I can't imagine being in a lion's den with real lions. But what did Daniel do? Daniel was asleep. It's almost like Daniel's thoughts were established. It's almost like Daniel was trusting in God. Look, Daniel couldn't tame those lions. 
I don't think Daniel had a background in lion taming. I don't think Daniel took a chair and a whip with him down there. You know, get back. I don't think Daniel had any experience in that. But he says, you know what? God made those lions. God can take care of those lions. So I'm just going to trust him. And Daniel slept. We see Job in the midst of his trial. Oh, the poise that Job had. Why? Because Job had experience losing 10 kids. No, he didn't. Because Job had experience in losing all of his property. No, he didn't. Job says, he knoweth the way that I take. Job says, I'm not exactly sure how all of this needs to be arranged or prepared, but he knows, and Job trusted God. Wouldn't you like to have some poise in the midst of your problems? Wouldn't you like to be, to be the one who's standing on the solid ground, trusting God when everything around you seems to be falling apart? You can, but you've got to commit thy works unto the Lord. We see Jesus in the bottom of a ship, sleeping in the midst of a storm. Why? Because he knew where he was going. He'd already told them we're going to the other side. He already had it figured out. They thought they were about to die. He had already told them what the plan was. We're going to the other side. Do you think the storm caught Christ by surprise? No. He knew the storm was there. And he slept in peace. Why? Because he knew exactly what needed to happen. Folks and I, I want you to understand this. This is not something you're going to fix one time in your life and it's going to be fixed forever. You're constantly going to battle this flesh wanting to be self-reliant. You're constantly going to battle your, your ideas and your mind wanting to prepare the thoughts of the heart and arrange the thoughts of the heart. But let verse 2 be a reminder to you that all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. You'll give yourself passes on things that God wouldn't. So tonight I want to give you this and we're done. Seven times in the New Testament you find these words, take no thought. Take no thought. Christ is speaking to his new disciples and where they're going to sleep and what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear and all of these things and all of the questions that they have. And he answers with, take no thought. Just trust me, I'll, I'll arrange all of that for you. I told someone yesterday, I was preaching in West Virginia on Miley's first birthday. Miley took her first steps in West Virginia they said she was going to walk crooked because she was learned to walk on the hills up there in West Virginia. And after the conference we were preaching at, a gentleman walks up to us and gives us an envelope. And in the envelope was, he, he won, who wants to be a millionaire? Now, I don't know how much he won, but he won. And uh, he had asked us earlier in the week, have you ever been to Washington, D.C.? We told him no. And uh, he just kind of went on about his business. He came up to me after service and he gave me an envelope. And in that envelope, we opened it up. There was a gas card. There was hotel reservations for the Hyatt Regency at the Dulles Airport there. And there was all of these arrangements. There was maps and money and all that in there to get the subway and all of that. He had planned this whole trip for us because we'd never been. He just gave us the envelope. And inside of that envelope was all of the arrangements. All we had to do was follow them. We had the best time. Remember that? It was the Cherry Blossom Festival. Have you ever been to Washington, D.C. during the Cherry Blossom Festival? It is beautiful. We had to walk around and see all of the sights and stay at the beautiful hotel and eat wonderful food that was taken care of. All we had to do was follow the arrangements we had been given. Now, look, if it was up to me, I'd have got lost in Washington, D.C. I didn't know where to stay. I probably would have paid too much. And, man, I probably went broke really quick. I'm glad I had somebody arrange it all. Now, all I had to do was follow the arrangements. Now, folks, understand this. God wants to arrange it. He wants to arrange our home, our heart, our thoughts. He wants to arrange our church. He wants to prepare it all. But we have got to grow beyond self-reliance. It says, as much as I want to DIY this church, 
As much as I want to DIY my home and DIY, look, leave that to the furniture you got out of the dump. DIY your carburetor. DIY your muffler, whatever you want to do. But leave the important things to God. Leave your home alone. Leave it to God. Leave your marriage alone. Give it to God. Leave the church alone. Give it to God. That's why our country was used to be what it was and is no longer is because we've decided we can handle it better than God. Well, I don't know about you tonight, but I want God to do the arranging. Because I know that whatever he does, he doth it forever. And he puts it together where every joint supplieth. And we allow God to do the arranging. We'll be a church that honors and glorifies him like we couldn't do on our own. But we've got to grow beyond self-reliance tonight. I want to have our heads bowed and eyes closed for a few minutes. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.